0: By speaking with local creators, artists, and business professionals, PaperCut aims to cut deep and demystify the Winnipeg creative industry
1: with hometown heroes and hidden gems. Brought to you by the West End Cultural Center, the best place for over 30 years to see live music in Winnipeg. Welcome to PaperCut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche.
0: I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Julie Penner. Please tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Um... (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> like, where to start? Um, artistically. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba.
0: It was a cold and blustery day. <laughs> it, was, it was
2: May. Apparently, okay. it was a very sunny, beautiful day. My dad likes to tell me that every day on my birthday. Um, but artistically, I guess. Um, well, I'm a violinist, first of all. Um, and uh, I started playing in bands, I guess, when I was a teenager, probably around 16. I I had taken Suzuki for violin and then quit, um, you know, when I was a teenager and I was kind of tired of doing strict classical music. And uh, then some friends of mine and I started a band called Buick Six. And um, we're kind of um, apparently angry feminist rock. (laughs) That's how some people described us. Perfect. That's the genre. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, and at the time it wasn't... um, Uh, I guess it was sort of Riot Grrrl sort of time and uh, we thought that we were just part of something that felt kind of mainstream to us but um, we did get reviews and some comments about how they were very angry um, and, you know... Seemed, Rightfully so. Seemed to hate men or <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing, <laughs> which made us laugh because actually there were three guys in our band too. So.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. What was the lineup? Are those people still musicians?
2: Uh, Mike Coop is still around. He went on to play with the Bonaduccis and a bunch of other bands. He does his own stuff too. Um, and uh, I think that our drummer still plays with a country band called Hollis Brown that I joined as well. And that's kind of how I got into country music. Um, was through playing with them. They're sort of older people who just loved the excellent old country that most people who love country love. Um, and then we also did sort of more recent stuff like Bob Dylan, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, and then the my girlfriends uh, don't do music, but they're still great singers. And uh, who knows, maybe one day we would do reunion show or something oh. like that. It has been mentioned several times. <laughs> <he's> been planted <laughs> Now it's just been so long. I mean we're talking like twenty five years almost, right? So Hey, that'd time. be a great time to come back for I a, guess so, hey. Twenty five hey, years. years is
0: exactly yeah. what yeah. we should do. It. We'd
2: have to really get on that. Maybe just like a few songs or something. Um it'd be fun to do it as part of like other bands that were around at that time or something. You know right. not not just us. But uh yeah, so that's just like the beginning. Um should I just Keep going here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, it's just me. Yeah. My big spiel. Um,
0: And then we'll do little digression questions, you know, but we just really want your full history. Just give it to us. Uh,
2: So then uh, I guess, you know, the band was kind of winding down, and uh, I'd met a bunch of different musicians from Toronto and had often thought of moving there. So I moved to Toronto in 1999 and um, ended up playing with a a lot of bands there. I guess the first the first bands I played with in Toronto was actually a country band called Luther Right and the Wrongs and it was basically Weeping Tile which was uh, Sarah Harmer's band and uh, we ended up touring across the country. It was my first time touring fully across the country and it was really fun and then I played with um, a guy named Ron Hawkins who has a band called Lowest of the Low and so we did a lot of a lot of shows, mainly in Ontario, um, but, you know, Ontario is huge, and you can tour Ontario kind of forever uh, and still not have played for everyone. So, we'd go, yeah, a lot of Ontario and, and Quebec and Buffalo. And uh, I also played with a former Winnipegger named Bob Wiseman, um, who used to play with Blue Rodeo, and uh, I've loved his solo stuff for a long, long time. So, we had a band, and we would go play in New York and Chicago and you know, just kind of played, not tons of touring, but just kind of drive in, drive out of big cities, and and that was super fun. Um, I was still, I guess, in my early 20s at that time. Um, and then, I'm trying to think, I mean, there's just so many different bands in Toronto, there's so much music going on. I guess the main uh, next band that I played with was Broken Social Scene. Um, Whoa. Yeah, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I was waiting for it. I was like... <laughs> Well, the I know, but us. you know, I was there. Like I lived in Toronto for six, four, I guess about four years before I played with them. Um, I played their album release for "You Forgot It in People," and. Uh, didn't tour with them for about another year or so. So that it was, you know, I'd played local shows in Toronto uh, with them, but they couldn't afford to bring me. They already had, obviously, so many different people in the band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just, like, not a feasible thing to add, like, a ninth person or something. Um, but uh, then they just got popular enough. I mean, they uh, they recorded, I think it was their self-titled, I think it was. And I played on that, and... Um, and then they were at the point where they were able to get a tour bus and, and start touring with a bigger band. Um, and so did that for about a year and a half, and then would just kind of do festivals with them, and um, kind of the odd sort of show. Um, but at the same time, I was touring with a band called Do Make Say Think. And uh, that band is um, affiliated with Broken Social Scene. They shared several members and <clears throat> i don't know if you're familiar with them but they're an instrumental band mm-hmm. so there's no singing generally we had a few songs with singing but generally no singing and uh so as a violinist uh it was really uh, particularly fun to play with jumex because the violin almost takes on the sound like the position of the voice in oh, the yes. music it's just got the timbre of a voice and kind of occupies the same spot um, kind of just does the melody that kind of thing Um, so we I would trade off with touring with both bands and we would open for each other and it was you know very chaotic and huge tours of just millions of people and it was very fun I mean you know, we toured North America. <laughs> toured North I like American. the little shrug. I
0: mean, millions of people. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no I meant like <laughs> in the band. <fans.
1: laughs>
2: oh, I thought you said there's millions of people like that uh-huh. had seen your shows while you were touring. Well, maybe no, I, mean, I mean not like, millions. No, I think our biggest show was Lollapalooza. Um That was really fun. Uh,
0: well, that would yeah. up your numbers to get close. Yeah, if you're yeah, talking
2: all yeah. together. Is, <laughs> yeah, cumulatively. Yeah. Millions. Yeah, that, was, that was a lot of people. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so we would kind of trade back and forth with, with touring with both bands. And then BSS went on a bit of a break and Do Mix kept going. And we'd go, I mean, with with BSS, we went to Australia and we did some. And then with Do Mix, we went to Japan a few times and, and South Korea. Um, How are we, those experiences, going to
0: those places and playing your music where people like, into it I guess if like yeah. you were
2: playing there in the first place is it
0: is it actually interesting... I found
2: with 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 do you make think it was particularly satisfying um, to go to places where English was not the first language because with an instrumental band there's no language barrier so it's just a really great feeling to feel like you're communicating directly mm-hmm. and um, there's there's nothing that's kind of holding them back from experiencing what you have to say because it's just all music it's all feel Um, so yeah, I particularly liked playing, uh, in Japan and South Korea. And also the audiences are just very, um, attentive and, and devoted and, and also had similar experiences in Europe as well, for sure. Um, but, uh, I love traveling, so I love touring and, um, uh, I always try to like make the most of the trips in the sense of going early or staying longer, um, Sometimes other guys in the band would stay with me and then, you know, we'd travel around the country and, you know, I always had this feeling like uh, the opportunity wouldn't be endless in a sense. Um, So I wanted to just make the most of being able to go to these places, even though I'd be completely exhausted from touring and all that kind of stuff or broke or whatever. I just thought you know gotta see it while well, you can <laughs> which was smart of me because now I have two children and uh I don't really tour don't very, go often. To yeah. very often <laughs> well, Don't as go often to as Japan. you used to <laughs> yeah so uh <laughs> so, I mean that's what brought me back here to Winnipeg
1: and do you have a standout story from touring like being in all the places you've gone
2: I would have to think about that for a second um we, we got time. Yeah, we can revisit that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to edit the pause? <laughs> be...
1: It's for it's a dramatic just... effect, actually.
2: <laughs> I mean, I mean, definitely. When you say stand out, I guess stand out. I, I was thinking good experience, but uh, in terms of like a difficult experience, um, there was a particularly memorable tour we did of Europe, and that was with Do Make Say Think, and I was playing with the two opening bands, who were both. Um, projects like solar projects from people in do um one was called the happiness project and one was called years and almost everyone in the band played in each uh opening thing so if you can imagine being on the road we didn't have a tour bus uh we played 29 shows in 30 days mm. we did two overnight drives of no sleeping and uh, including some great shows like we played all tomorrow's parties and it was fantastic and you know played Paris and London just like it wasn't all a, you know, like a drag, but uh, you drive all day and then you get to the venue and as most bands know, you know, you get a break at some point because you're either the opening band and uh, while the headlining band is setting up you're the one you know, you get to like go eat and walk around and whatever. Uh, or vice versa you know you finish setting up and then you get a break because the opening band setting up and then they play and then you're on like at 10 or 11 or whatever but if you're playing in all three bands you do <laughs> not get a break oh so no so that was the brutal thing was just being in a van driving the entire day you pull in and then from the moment you walk into the venue you are working
0: so like whose decision was this <laughs> oh, and like were you mad at this person afterwards yeah.
2: <laughs> well i say I should also give the other side of it which is that it was musically really satisfying um, because I loved all three projects I loved playing with them all and so there's you know it, it, it it's not enjoyable to tour and not play a lot so I've done touring where I've just been an opening band and you know you just get your little 30 to 40 minute slot and you're kind of out there you know in the middle of wherever and you don't get the satisfying feeling of like having played a lot whereas with when you're playing almost three hours every night um it's just it just kind of feels great like i enjoy the feeling of like being able to express myself for that long and playing different kinds of music but um the decision i guess was like both of the opening bands had records which you know we were all on and it seemed like a wasted opportunity i think to tour mm-hmm. for a month mm-hmm. and not be able to showcase those records um and we're all there anyway. I guess that was like the efficient feeling of it. Like we're there anyway. And we're just yeah. going to set up anyway for do make. So you might as well just play. But in reality, it just meant. Yeah. And we also did it in the States, too. Um, but um, it just wasn't quite as brutal. I think we were on a tour bus for that tour. So it just didn't feel as onerous. Um, whereas, you know, just being in a little little van, you know, a nine person van with nine people. So yeah. And instruments. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all fine. That's in the trailer. But it's okay, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of these little vans where you're kind of all sitting up straight. And there's no, like, putting your legs out or, you know what yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. no, there's no bunk to, like, lie down. And, like, it's just not comfortable.
1: But, uh, yeah, so, so that's memorable. So, <laughs> I like, maybe I don't understand. I definitely don't understand tour buses. But, like, you normally will see, like, a bigger van. And, like, there's a a four-piece band who lives on there. How does nine people live in a in a, a van?
2: No, we didn't live in it. We stayed in hotels. Oh, okay. Um, so just no, we're just. I'm just talking about a van. This was not a tour bus. This was oh, just a van okay. that we were touring in.
0: But on a tour bus, do you sleep in a tour bus? Like
2: yeah, do you, and stay in a tour bus? Oh yeah. Or? Yeah yeah. Everybody's got their bunk. I mean, with broken social scene, we would sometimes we would often have more people than there were bunks. Um, so there's generally like 12 bunks and then there's like a back room um and we would have more than that so there'd be people sleeping on the front couches that kind of thing um and it really does make it a little claustrophobic uh at times um but it is also fun i mean i was at the point in my life where i wanted to have a good time and so you would just get off you know stage and then go on the tour bus and then we would all just listen to records and you know stay up till four in the morning and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was
0: really excited when you're like, yeah, have a good time. Like get on the bus. I was like, and then what, like, what'd you do? <laughs> like, I'm not gonna rock get and roll. Yeah, exactly. Just,
2: just drinking and listening to music. Yeah. I mean, nothing <laughs> sorted here. Um, and I also loved, like I, I love seeing the landscape pass by. So I always loved just kind of being at the front of the bus too. Uh, a lot of people like that spot where you sit next to the bus driver and then you've got that huge window and you're just looking out at the landscape go by and you can just kind of wind down from playing the show and some of those shows were pretty crazy and awesome and so you just kind of take an hour or something to decompress. So, yeah, I like, I mean, tour bus is definitely more comfortable um, but, you know, financially you can't always swing it and then also um, there's something nice about sleeping in a bed that's not moving. I will say Yeah oh, True, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'd imagine so
1: Yeah, the little things in life,
2: you know <laughs> We take for granted <laughs> It can be hard to get used to Yeah, know. wow yeah. yeah, that would be
0: So then when was the decision to come back to Winnipeg?
2: Right, yeah um, Yeah, so I had, I had kind of stopped touring My husband was still busy um, Jason plays, um, well he played with the Weaker Then's And still plays with John Sampson There's a Weaker Thans album oh, right there We were just listening to it actually here. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We were listening to oh, it's like it. Construction site. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was just saying that's Versus like in Zyman's my top five cutter. favorite
2: albums. Awesome. Yeah, no, I love it too. Uh yeah, so they weren't touring as much and he started playing uh with Afe, the singer for Bahamas. And uh he's been touring with Bahamas for about ten years. So he was touring a lot, um and and we had our first child, I guess, in twenty twelve, and so I was like solo parenting in Toronto. Um, and Jason was away cause that's right when bar chords, the Bahamas record came out and, um, they were just touring like crazy constantly. Um, so I was always coming back to Winnipeg to get help from my parents and from Jason's parents. So after like the third time of coming back here for three weeks or so, I just started looking around at houses. <laughs> it was really just like, Oh, well what's available here. What's it like here now? And um, and then we found a house. So that was that was it. We just decided to move. And we said we'd just give it about five years and see how it goes. So that was seven years ago, I guess. So yeah. I guess we're staying. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so then you're both from Winnipeg and met in Winnipeg then? We met in Winnipeg. Um, we had played a little bit together. Jason had this kind of very short-lived little jazz band that I played in. Uh, I think we had one show at Wellington's uh, called Talking Bird. And uh, what else had we done together? We'd just done a few different projects. He had played drums on my own stuff, too. We put out a little EP. But um, uh, then I moved to Toronto on my own. We weren't, um, we weren't together at that point. So um, then we got together, uh, I guess, around the time they were making Left and Leaving. So 2000 so yeah next year's our 20th anniversary
1: well congratulations thank you (laughs) thank
2: you Um, but uh, yeah so then he moved out there about a year later Uh, it just took him a little bit of time to adjust to the idea of moving to Toronto Um, he wasn't you know against it but he just didn't want to just like oh you know we're together now I'm immediately going to you know move to Toronto and just change everything he just Mm -hmm. kind of wanted to think about it and I came to Winnipeg a lot and he came to he was always touring so yeah. I mean, that's the thing when you're touring is it doesn't feel as important where you live because you're just not there very often. Mm, yeah. Um, so it didn't feel like a big deal. Like, we saw each other probably almost every month for the year that he lived here and I lived in Toronto. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, and I'd imagine, like, making
0: that move. Winnipeg's, Winnipegers always, like, hear the you got to move to Toronto thing. And, like, making that, like... <sighs> You know, I imagine as, like, someone who's, like, a, like, um, so passionate about Winnipeg, just making that jump to Toronto just might have been, like, a, you know, do you well, think? Well, sorry,
2: who's the passionate person in this uh No, scenario? I just mean,
0: well, like, passionately Winnipeg. I'm just, mm-hmm. like, imagining the weaker ends, like, making that...
2: Oh, I, right. I mean, uh... I'm not saying yeah, you're not but, passionate, but... Yeah, I, I, I think it's just, um... It feels good to leave your home and get a perspective on it. And, sure, yeah. Um, I would recommend it to anyone to not live their entire life in the same spot. Uh, obviously, it's not always possible or it doesn't always make sense, or maybe you just really don't want to, but uh, I just I feel like the experience of being away, um, I mean, of course I met tons of people and you know so much of the music I ended up doing it just there's no way it would have happened if I had stayed here. Uh, yeah. I hate to say it, I just wouldn't have. I, mean, I just happened to move to Toronto at a time that it uh, coincided with uh, the independent music scene just exploding um, uh, and Montreal as well a few years later with Arcade Fire uh, so it, it was just really good timing. Uh, at the time you know, I mean the internet, you know, it existed, but it wasn't, I mean, it was still back then, like late nineties, early two thousands. It's not even like everyone used email necessarily. Like it Mm -hmm. just was a different situation here and it felt more isolated. And, um, so I feel like, you know, I was just, I'm lucky to have great timing to go out there when it wasn't, you know, growing up, I thought of Toronto as like a major label kind of city. And it was always just like big bands live there or go there. And, um Winnipeg's always had a great independent scene, but I moved there at the time when it just, uh, independent bands could start to make a living. So that was the first time I'd really seen that um, happen around me. Um, and it's just great geographically to live there because you're so close to Chicago, New York, and, and Montreal, and, you know, even Ottawa, you know, you know, like there's just so many places to tour, um, whereas obviously Winnipeg is like... It's just a bigger deal to get out of the city, you know, just the the gas and the time and you can drive for nine hours and you're in Saskatoon and there's nothing wrong with Saskatoon, but you're going to play whatever, you know, you play a show for maybe 50 people or something and that might be really great. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but whereas touring around the Ontario region and in the States, it's just like way more bang for your buck in terms of just getting out there and making the effort and you can go away for, I did a lot of weekend tours there. You know, of course you could do that here too, but it's just you're just playing for a much smaller pool of people, right? Yeah. Um so so yeah, I'm I'm glad I moved away. Um I, it was the best thing I could have ever done and I feel like I think Jason feels the same way. Yeah. Um you know, he with the weaker things having wound down um I'm not sure you know what would have happened to him if he had just been in Winnipeg whether he would have continued to make a living from music um for all this time, you know, it's hard. It's hard here. Um, there's a limited number of, of bands, I think, that, you know, make a living on in, on a level where, you know, Jason's almost 50. You know, we're talking not just having like a little one bedroom apartment. It's just you that you have to feed. Mm-hmm. But if you've got two kids and you've got that kind of situation, it's, yeah, it can be hard to be an artist.
1: You know, what? it's that's a unique, well, an interesting perspective because... I had always looked at it through the scope, like, well, if Toronto can have, you know, all these famous musicians, like, why can't we do it here? And it's always kind of this frustrating idea that I had, but geography, you're right. Yeah. It plays so into it where you Population, could get down. Population, geography, yeah.
2: um, isolation here. Um, it's certainly, it is possible. And I do feel like it's actually more possible now than ever it was, uh, thanks to the internet. Um, you know, you're just able to get your music out there, you know, communicate with other people, And, of course, there are bands who are making that happen. And I should also just say the flip side is cost of living here is so much lower. I mean, it is wild, the difference in rent and, you know, buying a house, daycare. I mean, that's something for anyone who's, you know, thinking of having children. (laughs) If you live in Winnipeg, stay here (laughs) because we have the second cheapest daycare in the entire country after after Quebec. It's a huge thing that you don't really think about, mm-hmm. and I pay, you know, a third of the cost of what friends of mine pay over a thousand dollars per kid in Toronto. It's just, it's just a reality yeah. that uh, um, I didn't think about when we moved back here. I didn't check it out at all, um, and now I feel like it should have been the number one reason I came back. <laughs> like yes, yeah. after my, you know, being with my parents. <laughs> And I guess, you know, just general cost of living. But, and I had a, I, I had a job that could move, too. It's not easy for everyone to just pick up and move here or there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the music producer for the Vinyl Cafe with Stuart McLean on CBC Radio for 12 years. So that was a job that I did from the road and could do from home. So uh, I was able to just move back and keep that job, um, you know, until Stuart died. So it's... Uh, I was lucky that way. Is what I'm trying to say. I think it would be harder for some people to move back if their job wasn't as transportable. Mm-hmm. Um, that would probably keep you in Toronto. But for me, I could just do the exact same thing. So,
1: how was it working with Stuart McLean? He was, is well, like so amazing. I grew up. Yeah, that was, oh, did you, that did that was a big part of my childhood. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. yeah, My parents were huge into CBC.
2: Yeah. Um... It, it was fantastic. Uh, I mean, Stuart became a good friend, and, um, uh, and I'm still very close with uh, the producer of the show. Her name was, uh, is Jess Milton. And uh, it was a very small team. Uh, it was really Jess produced the show, and it was Stuart and myself. And then he uh, had a story editor, Meg Masters, um, and then we had a production assistant, uh, Louise Curtis. So that was essentially the whole kind of show. Um, uh, And it was really just like the three of us, you know, myself, Stuart and Jess, who would work on the like the radio part of it and record together. Um, And I would do it by remote. Once I moved back to Winnipeg, I'd call into the studio and they'd patch me through. And so then I could, you know, give my two cents and stuff. Um, But uh, yeah, it was I mean, it was like really a dream job. And uh, we had complete independence because we owned the show uh well Stuart owned the show and we licensed it to the CBC so I didn't actually work for CBC hmm interesting we didn't really have like someone above us who would you know tell us what to do or whatever um he he just called the shots and I mean really it was Jess who called the shots (laughs) and Stuart and I just listened to her um but uh so it was just a really great um like kind of felt very DIY very indie and yet, it was a huge show, and it was the number one art show on the CBC. And because we were also syndicated in the States, um, we aired to over a million people every weekend.
0: Really? Millions. We're using the words millions oh, yeah, to describe people. This is like one of our first interviews where we can say <laughs> millions of people. I
2: didn't say millions, just over a million, okay? That's also with podcasts, right? Like, over oh, so a million, once, yeah, you, know, okay, you have okay. all those different... You've got CBC, you've got you know, podcasts, you've got... Um, Then the different, uh, probably like a third of the states um, would air it as well. Where was it syndicated in the states? Just all over. I mean, uh, the first place that picked up the show was uh, in Seattle. And uh, it was really because of them that it kind of happened in the states. Um, uh, It was just Washington loved the show. And there was a particular program director who just believed in it. And that's kind of what you need. And then we ended up airing. Sort of back-to-back with Prairie Home Companion, um, which was also like one of the number one shows on, um, you know, public radio in the States. So that's, you know, what you need is just to follow something that's really popular. And then from then on, people would see the ratings from that and then they'd pick it up. But um, so it was a really satisfying Part and I'm not saying over a million to like brag. It was more no, than like, no, a contrast sorry between that. <laughs> just like us working in our homes basically. Yeah, yeah. And then it would just go to all these people. And uh I got to introduce all of those people to Canadian music because we played on almost hundred percent Canadian on the show. That was just our decision. We didn't have to um, you know, make it that ratio. But that was a really great feeling to know that we we're airing you know all this Canadian music to so many Americans um so that was yeah it was just a really satisfying experience to just be sitting in there in my home office and just go oh this is a really great song and I check the logs at CBC and no one ever played it and no one ever played the band and then i just okay let's do this yeah. I mean obviously like it would have to be approved you know they would Uh, But generally, you know, after working on the show for so many years, we all just kind of knew what would work and what would not. I mean, there'd be the odd, you know, heated discussion over something, but we all kind of knew, like, what the flavor was. And we knew that, you know, if you've got a bunch of songs that are kind of like, uh, just kind of no-brainer picks that we knew people would like, then we could throw in a few songs that were a little bit more difficult, maybe, um, or a little bit more out there, because... You just need to have the mix because people trusted Stewart. So I think they knew that, oh, if I don't like this song, I'm probably still going to like the rest of the show or I'm waiting for the story or you know what I mean? Like, it, it's not like they would change the the station you yeah. know, because they didn't like a particular song. So, you know, he had that ability to just like pull people in and keep them there and just, you know, sort of like, here, this is what's great about this song. Like, check this out. Mm
0: hmm.
1: That's cool.
0: Yeah, it was just genuinely impressive. I wasn't meaning <laughs> yeah. to. I just don't
2: want to come off as like, yeah, we we toured for millions of people and we aired for the millions. Of, you know, I'm just. I'm well, kidding. I mean,
0: if but if you did though, I mean, if you toured for five people, then you could say that too. But that's just well, not as impressive, you know, I guess. It's funny. But...
2: When I moved back here, I remember I went out um, to uh, Nuit Blanche. Uh, maybe it was the first year that I was back or something, and uh, so I was meeting lots of people because I hadn't lived here in 14 years and so that's just what was happening and and so someone uh, you know introduced themselves and said um, so I want to know like who have you played with and um, I just said whatever a couple of those Toronto bands and uh, they actually kind of made fun of me for (laughs) saying that I would played with broken social scene and uh, she said uh, you know you don't have to brag and I just was kind of taken aback because <laughs> she just asked me point blank, "Who do you, you know, who, who have you played with?" Yes. Yeah. W- and it and it did it 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 kind of bummed me out a bit, uh, especially because I'd just come back. To make me feel like Winnipeg, there's still a bit of an inferiority complex here, where I don't know if it, that somehow. Th- Threatening, Or like, you know, my friend Talia has this restaurant, The Tallest Poppy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason she called it The Tallest Poppy. You know, it's like this, like, cut down The Tallest Poppy. Like, cut down people who might be doing well or okay or whatever. And, um, and I do feel like that's something that Winnipeg... Um, uh, has always had a bit of a problem with which is like well don't get too big for your britches don't brag and don't you know yes. and I can feel it already like now that I've been back like in Toronto people are not ashamed of talking about their successes <laughs> you know they have, there's, there's, no, they don't even understand the concept of like you know why wouldn't you just say what you're up to and who the people are that you're working with and it's not name dropping it's just telling you whereas here I find it's a little bit of this prairie thing of like hey hey you know just, you know, keep it down yeah yeah that's be so modest. interesting mm-hmm. yeah, but
0: interesting. it's a, like she shouldn't have asked if she didn't want yeah. to be impressed
2: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I felt i just i was so taken aback <laughs> and kind of i didn't it, it made it for a while i felt like oh maybe i shouldn't i don't know like talk to people about the things i've done or things that i'm doing um but uh but you know, I've I've enjoyed. I I finally feel like I've gotten to know the music scene here again, which took quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are your some
0: some of your local favorites, or some of the bands that you've played with since being back?
2: Yeah, they I mean, don't it, necessarily
0: have to be the same ones. I
2: mean, I mean no, I mean it's. Uh, yeah, it, it 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 took a little while to kind of figure out. Okay, what's what's going on here? I mean, I because of my job with the Violent Cafe, I. You know, I wasn't completely clueless about what was happening. I was just trying to figure out, well, you know, where would violin fit? Like, what what would be good? And um, and then the first uh, band I ended up playing with was Slow Leaves, Grant Davidson's project. Um, because uh, Cam Lepke, the weaker than uh, sound man, who's also a co-owner of the Goodwill, um, had given me his record for the Violin Cafe. And I listened to it, and I just remembered saying, hey, you know, like, this is someone I'd like to play with this guy. This is, these are pretty great songs, and I think violin would go really well. And so we just, I mean, I just kind of cold emailed him, and... Really? Yeah. I just said, do you want to come over and play some music? <laughs> I mean, you know, he knew Cam, and he wasn't like completely, you know, like, who is this person? I've, you know, I've never heard of them. Uh, and then Jason uh, also needed someone to play with. We were just like, "Hey, you want to come over and play with both of us?" Really, we've got to, we're a drummer and violinist. I mean, it did seem like a good fit, just both stylistically and just instrumentally, like this, you know. So we played actually as a trio without bass for I think at least a year. And then uh, he added uh, Ricard on bass, and uh, we ended up recording an album in. Uh, in our studio we have a recording studio um in our backyard and uh, and that was really fun so we played a lot of shows with grant for the first few years and now he ended up touring and getting like different people he could tour with um so we haven't actually played with him for a few years but i still i love his music and he's a great guy um so then we started playing uh i guess i've been playing with jp ho for a few years now And, um, what's fun about playing with JP is he plays all different kinds of configurations of his bands. Like it's always different. And I Mm -hmm. love that variety. I like that. He's very, uh, he's very into strings. And so they're very featured in his songs. So obviously as a string player, that's what you like. You don't really want to be an add on that is just like an extra window dressing. You know, it's like the strings are like really featured in, in a lot of his arrangements. So we, I play with Matenia Felicitas. She's on cello. And we'll do, you know, uh, we'll do house concerts. We've done a bunch of weddings. Obviously, there's big shows at the Burt for the, for the uh, Christmas concert and the park and that kind of thing. So there's just a nice variety of stuff. So uh, I really enjoyed playing with JP. And then we'll have like a big band, too. So that's fun, you know, mm-hmm. with the horns and backup singers and... The
0: Christmas show I had heard of for so long, but that is a really an incredible show. Yeah. Like if you just like took everyone's sort of like photo, you know, and like these are all the people that are gonna be in the band, like holy smokes, what a lineup, you know? And it's just like
2: Yeah. It's super, super fun. And my son, actually, my seven-year-old, got to sing with him last year.
0: Oh, yeah. With was he little, one of the... The little
2: diehard choir. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he still talks about it. I mean, he loves music. He's been playing piano for a couple of years. Yeah,
0: and... that was one of my questions about your kids yeah. playing music. Yeah,
2: the four-year-old still... I mean, he likes music, but I don't, you know, I don't really know what he's going to end up doing. But, um, but the seven-year-old, when he was five, he started having lessons. Um,
0: By his choice? Or were you like, uh, oh, well, he's got to play piano? I mean,
2: I don't think any... 5 year old. Well, apparently I asked for violin lessons when I was five. I don't know. This is what my parents always told me. Yeah. I don't. Apparently, I saw you know a little girl playing violin. I'm like, I want to do that. Um, and I'm glad I did. I just when it was hard and I didn't want to practice, they'd be like, you wanted to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like the. The seven-year-old, he, um, I mean, he loves music. And he, he like, he's kind of, a, it seems like a bit of a natural musician. Like, he just loves to make up stuff and he plays on the piano. It's the, like, getting him to do, you know, okay, now you have to play this song. Uh, you know, then that part can be hard. I mean, that's, I think, normal for any kid that age. Mm-hmm. Um, he always says, I don't want to practice. And then, you know, once he starts, he's super into it and, like, sees the value. And, I mean, it, it can't hurt that both of his parents have been professional musicians and so he sees that he sees that it's like a viable thing Mm -hmm. you know um and of course he doesn't have to become a professional musician like that's not at all the point it's more obviously for the love of music and i know what it does for a kid um just i mean to have the discipline to learn something to make it sound good um to perform i mean that's a big part of it too, you know, he's done lots of recitals and they helped him when he had to go, you know, on stage in front of uh, I don't know, like, oh, I guess over a thousand people are at those those bird shows and I think maybe if he had never done recitals and had to, you know, go up there he might have been like too scared to do it mm-hmm. and um, it's also like well, if a kid doesn't fully understand
0: like what they're saying or singing, which if it's Die Hard and you have like a whole crowd of people laughing yeah. oh, at yeah. you, He's you never know, seen like a movie mm-hmm. of course, like, yeah, I had right, no idea.
2: He in fact didn't even know any of the songs. I don't know if JP realized this, but like he said, oh, they're just you know traditional, you know, typical Christmas songs, and and in fact they were all um, like. Like Christian songs. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with you know Christmas, <laughs> Christmas songs that are Christian. It's sort of obvious, but I just mean we hadn't sung them at home, and he hadn't heard them. And some of them, you know, it was like the Holly and the Ivy. You know, like there's so sort of like tr- really traditional, you know, old English kind of uh, um, Christmas songs. So he he had to learn them. It wasn't like it was like Jingle Bells, and he just had to change the words. Mm-hmm. You know, he just didn't know any of the songs. Um, So that was a bit of a challenge with just like a few days Uh, But he still sings the songs because he learned them all Like he sings like the diehard lyrics that he learned for that particular show So it's it's pretty funny Um, But uh, I feel like, yeah, I mean I've been playing I I get to do like fun little one-offs and stuff Like I just got to do a thing um, with Begonia um, Like a live video that we recorded So that's not out yet (laughs) um and 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 also like a major uh project that i'm going to be a part of next year is heavy bell so we um so that's uh matt peters from royal canoe and tom keenan who is a musician and also a professional actor and so they've been working for 10 years on this record uh i don't know if you're familiar with the heavy bell project but um it's the
0: poetry of what's uh, the... Elizabeth
2: Smart her prose poetry book um, by Grand Central Station I Sat Down and Wept and it was a very celebrated book in, in its time I think it came out in the 40s um, and so they just fell in love with this book and they you know wrote 10 songs based on her lyrics because it's very poetic and so it kind of lent itself to song lyrics and they recorded it yeah or I think over the course of like 10 years um, and It was just beautifully done um really fantastic musicians i wish i could say i was on it but it was um a a violinist uh, who played with the symphony who was on it uh and she's so amazing and it was actually kind of a challenge for me to like emulate her parts in a way Mm -hmm. um because just you know high-end classical playing is just there's like that's that's challenging. If you don't play that very often, you can play with singer-songwriters, nothing against singer-songwriters, you know, but it's just a different level of skill.
0: Is that so. like the the notes or the tone or the This is
2: kind of everything. I mean, I'll give you one example. Uh this is uh kind of nerdy, but if you can just imagine the show opened with a song that was just piano and violin probably for the first 5 minutes. It was just those two instruments and I played one of the highest notes I've the highest note I've ever performed, way up the neck on the violin, uh, and the same note for five minutes. So just having to like keep try to keep an even tone, the right tuning, and just feeling super exposed because that's all that was happening. Mm-hmm. And there'd be and there was a bit of vocal too, but that was it for instrumentation. And um, yeah, it was just really hard. But I felt like so we we released the album um, their album last. Spring, I think, was it February? No, well, maybe it was January. I can't remember. It was like still winter of uh, 2018. And uh, then we played, uh, we ended up, I think, doing maybe 10 shows or something. We did kind of fly in and out uh, touring of the country. Um, and we did most of the country. We didn't do the Maritimes. We didn't get to BC. But otherwise, we covered a lot. And um, by the end of the run, um, I just could tell how much I'd improved as a musician. And, oh, wow. Oh, oh yeah. Like, there's no question. I mean, it was just like a like a a level of um, difficulty I'd never had to sustain for that long, and uh, and I think a lot of the other musicians felt that way too. I mean, we had uh, everyone had to sing too, so everyone in the band had to be able to play an instrument and sing. So, and there was a lot of harmonies and all that kind of stuff. And I hadn't performed singing for quite a few years, really. I mean, I did a bit of singing with the different bands, but I was never really exposed. Uh, it was always kind of like, either like shouting backups or just a little bit of back, you know, and this I would have some lines of my own and it was just very pin drop kind of quiet shows. Um, so what I'm, what I'm sort of trying to get to here is that we're actually putting it on again, but it's being done uh, as a theater production
1: oh, wow. at a uh, hmm. fairy
2: theater exchange. So <clears throat> we're part of their season uh, and we'll be uh, doing the run in March And this time we're doing it with two dancers. Um, And it's kind of the whole show, I think, is being redone. Uh, Same songs, a couple of new ones, but it's just going to be a very different feel. And um, this is going to be my first time doing like a theater show. Uh, I mean, I've played in theaters, but I've just never been part of like a theatrical thing like this. Um, So we're going to have, you know, weeks of rehearsal and all the lighting and all that kind of professional stuff. And I'm just so excited about getting a chance to really dig in to a show and kind of, you know, work on all the nuances and stay in the same city so that my day isn't just taken up getting to the next city. Mm -hmm. This is all in town um, with people who, you know, I've worked with before though. Some of them are new because not all the musicians could do it again. So I'll be meeting a few new people and it's almost entirely women. So out of, uh, I think it's eight musicians and, and and two dancers that's ten people seven are women and it's a very feminine uh, piece too like the obviously it's written by women but it's all about like it's like about pregnancy and children and motherhood and all this stuff so mm-hmm. it's very uh, feminine energy um, so it feels kind of appropriate to have like, all these women
0: who are in your I actually had written an article about that show oh, for the okay. Manitoban okay. and I put I was like there were so many women on stage and my copy editor was like uh, scored it like irrelevant I'm like this is not, irrelevant. not irrelevant that's huge That it's like no we all talked these, about like, it
2: we talked about it I mean I don't they said that it's not like I don't know if they purposely set out that way but it just kind of happened that way and then they went with it and then we lost uh, our french horn player todd couldn't come back to do the this run and so now and now we have another woman uh doing that so it uh yeah no and then the two dancers are women so it that's that's like upping the uh, proportion no it's, it's that's not full
0: circle back to your angry feminist days <laughs> yeah. you know now wow. it's just like oh, yeah. now they're oh, mothers yeah. Yeah. and playing them i'm just kidding <laughs>
2: on the other end i'm still angry <laughs> Still angry it's it's not an angry show. It's just it's a very passionate, like emotional show. It's quite intense. Yeah, I remember awesome.
0: like reading that on the way to the show and I'm like, okay, this is not what I thought was this is gonna be like heavy. Oh yeah.
2: Bell, heavy bell. bell.
0: heavy bell. Heavy there bell. There we go. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's <laughs> circle.
1: Wow. yeah.
2: So that's the next kind of big project. Like I'll also do some stuff with JP the the Christmas show and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but um uh the heavy bell one is going to take up like the most time for sure. Uh, I've told Jason, no touring. <laughs> you cannot tour while I'm doing this run because there's no way I can handle the childcare. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, that was oh, fantastic,
1: Julie. We really
2: well, thanks appreciate Thanks having it. me. Of course.
1: And of course. Thank, thank you for, for cutting, cutting deep, deep with us on, on paper cut podcast. podcast. Thanks. thanks.